This week on the Shooter's Touch, we bring on head boys basketball coach at Johnston High School, Coach Brian Frick. In typical Shooter's Touch fashion, we talk to Brian a lot about his childhood, where he was raised, how he was raised, where basketball played in. We also get his take on what his thoughts are on athletes in the high school, middle school level uh, specializing in sports, whether that be basketball or whatever. We also talk about his path where he started off at Kirkwood in more of a managerial role, moved on to Grandview, worked with a couple really good friends of the podcast, and then obviously ended up at Johnston. We also dive into this year where his team essentially started off pretty slow, um, but as you want to as a coach, as you want to as a player, was playing their best basketball towards the end where made it down a state tournament, got a couple wins, fell just short getting second to a very stacked walkie team. Uh, we talked to him about that, how he prepared for that, what his philosophy was around that game, and you know, just talked to him a little bit about the team as well. As we mentioned at the end of our podcast, if you like what you hear, we would really appreciate a five-star rating wherever you catch your podcast. It helps us get to more listeners. And speaking of more listeners, we would love it if you recommend us to a friend who you think would need to listen to Shooter's Touch. Love to connect with you. Love to get your feedback. You can find us anywhere on social media, Shooter's Touch, Twitter and Instagram, at Shooter's Touch IA. We hope you enjoy. Coach Brian Frick. Shooters touch, can't nobody shoot like me. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need a shooter, I'm ice cold like a cooler. Get you right though, I can tutor. This that mic flow, I'm a hooper. I got blue faces on. Well, as mentioned, shooters, here is Coach Brian Frick. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, we're excited. We uh, appreciate you taking some time. Uh, we'll we'll get to the last couple of weeks. Been busy for you, but uh, this will come out next week. But today is, is the first real official day of March Madness. Um, I know as hoopheads, all three of us were excited for it. But uh, coach, who do you got uh, in your Final Four or cutting down the net uh, when this thing's all said and done? Yeah, I got. Uh, I'm a big fan of Illinois and Gonzaga. I think are my two teams. Um, I had a pick. I don't know if you call him a sleeper, but I like Arkansas, big Eric Musselman fan. So um, that's kind of where I'm leaning at. But I'm just glad that March Madness is back and, and it's the best time of the year. Yeah, we agree with you there. We're uh, definitely excited to have it back. Obviously, it's going to look different, but I think that adds to the excitement a little bit, too, just to see how they're going to make this all work in, in one city, essentially, and um, just thankful. I mean, last night, uh, obviously, the start of it, had some had some great games, that Drake game. Whew. Um, obviously, uh, was exciting and something that, uh, for, for our area, we like to see. And so, uh, let's do it. I mean, uh, excited for it. So, yeah, coach. Well, um, as, uh, our listeners know, and, uh, you as a fan of the podcast know, we like to start off, uh, way back. So, uh, let's talk Brian as a kid, where, where'd you grow up? How did sports play into you growing up? And then ultimately, uh, where did basketball come in? Uh, yeah, I'm from Davenport, Iowa, so over eastern Iowa. Um, played baseball and basketball growing up. Uh, I'm not able to play to, to play football um, due to a heart condition, so that's kind of unique um, since all my buddies were doing that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, growing up, I, I went to a private Catholic school to about sixth grade. Uh, my mom taught there, um, and my PE teacher, uh, Mr. Newbauer, was – was a coach at Assumption, assistant coach there. Um, 
So I remember going to Randy Norton's camps uh, as a youngster and and uh, Coach Neubauer's there and just being having him as an influential person, I think, um, got me interested in sports a little bit. And then I started playing kind of in the Rising Knights basketball program uh, in fourth grade, um, just with some local kids. I uh, had a really good coach there. Uh, and then in sixth grade, I transferred over to uh, the public school system um, and got playing with a new group of kids uh, and then playing with um, an organization uh, it's called the future. Um, it was kind of short, short lived, but uh, Joe Hill was our, was my coach. Um, and he did a great job of, uh, you know, bringing toughness and competitiveness and getting us uh, in shape and teaching us the game. And um, that kind of led to, I think my, my love for basketball. Uh, and I had a really good experience with baseball um, playing pony league and then into high school um, and then I think some of coaching also outside of Mr. Neubauer was uh, me being like a student manager for the football team since I couldn't play and all my buddies were, were, were playing. Um, that led me to kind of see the behind the scenes things and organization and, and uh, working with some coaches there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, with, with the baseball and basketball thing going on there, I mean, I, I had the same, uh, you know, I played a lot of the same, same sports you did growing up. Was there ever a time where you had to choose between those two? Um, I, my sophomore year, I chose. I didn't have to, I guess. Um, it was kind of um, – I liked basketball a lot more and, and maybe my friends and the coaches a little bit more. Um, but I, I wasn't great at either, but I was probably maybe a little bit better at baseball. Um, but I, I broke my foot my sophomore year, so I didn't play. Um, so I think that had me a little bit more eager to – to really focus on basketball. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that was the right or wrong decision, but I was, I was just, I, I love basketball and enjoy being around it. Um, and so that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I mean, we, we, uh, we think you made the right decision there for sure. So, um, I think it's always, always interesting because, um, you know, obviously nowadays, especially being from the Des Moines Metro area, you know, a lot of these kids are, um, you know, asked to, or, you know, required to make a decision on what sports to play. Where do you, um, I guess, what are your kind of thoughts on that as a coach? You know, do you think these kids, elementary, middle school, even in high school need to, uh, need to specialize in the sport? No, and I don't want to knock one sport athletes, but I'm huge on multi-sport athletes or multi-activity kids, maybe. Um, like we have a kid on our team this year as a senior that, um, is a great, role model and involved in like mock trial and the page program down at the courthouse and um, our student body representative for the school board. And um, he's just, you know, like really involved and obviously part of our basketball program. Um, you know, we've got kids on, on our varsity team that uh, are part of the cross country team, you know, Max Rocky plays volleyball. Um, I think the more kids, um, can participate in other activities, the better experiences they can have. And, and to me, that's what high school athletics and activities is about, is about the experience for the student athlete or student. Um, so I'm all for multi-activity and or athletes uh, in our program. Yeah. And I think that we would agree with you. You know, we talked about it a couple of times on here um, on the pod, but, you know, just utilizing those, those muscles in different sports um, and, you know, growing with those guys and growing as a, an individual, as an, as an, as an athlete, I think, or we think that would be, you know, obviously beneficial, uh, you know, if you're, 
if you're looking to specialize after high school. So we, we agree with you um, on that for sure. Um, we well, mentioned some of the coaches that you grew up with. Um, where did, where did the thought of coaching come in and uh, who were some of your mentors, you know, as you, you began to start coaching? Yeah. Uh, I mentioned Mr. Neubauer, my PE teacher, um, my high school coaches, uh, Steve Overton and Van Schneiderman and Vince Jackson, Vince Jackson, um, were huge influences. And then, and then probably the one of the biggest ones is coach Wags at Kirkwood. Um, he let me be a student assistant for him for two years, uh, which was a invaluable experience working with him and coach Pint and coach Stokes and, uh, coach young. So, um, that, 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 that's kind of really where I got, I guess, my, my feet wet and dug into it and learned a lot from those guys and coach Moore on the, on the women's side. Nice. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll dive into coach Wags a little bit more uh, here <laughs> as the podcast goes on, but uh, my younger brother played for him. So yeah. uh, went to a lot of, uh, of his games, you know, coach pie and, and, you know, just, I mean, awesome guys, awesome coaches and stuff like that. So yeah, you had some, uh, had some good people to grow around there. Um, well, what about, um, you know, as you're, as you're progressing through high school, I mean, you know, you mentioned those mentors, was there a time where you thought that, you know, Hey, obviously my playing career is going to end at some point. I want to be a coach or was it just kind of a, an easy transition, you know, from something you love to do and then kind of moving into it? Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, I wasn't any good. Um, I love playing, but that was kind of probably then the high school, like when I looked at maybe going to, and an AIA or D3 school, um, or also being a student manager somewhere. Um, and school-wise, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do either. So I visited some different schools and uh, met with Coach Wags um, on my on my visit, which was kind of neat. Um, and you know, he was all for kind of whatever if I wanted to, you know, try out. Which I don't know if I would have had a chance to, to earn a jersey, which probably would have been good for everybody else. But uh, or if I wanted to be you know, if I wanted to get into coaching, you know, it, it would have been a great opportunity and start at a young age. Um, so I was fortunate for that position and then um, spent two years as a student assistant for Coach Schaefer uh, at Grandview, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and, you know, able to work with Adam Sanchez and um, Andy Woodley, Justin Einerson, Ryan Flack, um, and a lot of those guys uh, kind of led me to where I am today. Man, Chess, that's my guy right there. I uh, definitely got to get him on the pod, too, now that you bring him up. But uh, that's crazy. I didn't know that you were at Grandview with those guys. Yeah, so I, I went there after – I was kind of looking around, and Wags did a great job trying to reach out to different programs and levels and coaches. And, um, just, you know, I thought, felt Grandview was a good opportunity for me to kind of get some more coaching in. I was, you know, the JV coach um, at a young young age, which was awesome to have some head, head coaching experience. And – Learned a lot from Coach Schaefer there, um, and, and running camps and working camps with him, and um, so that was a that was an awesome experience with my time. Two years there, and then graduated and and stayed on for an extra year with Coach Schaefer as well. So remind me or help me with the timeline. Was Ches at uh, Grandview after Drake? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's right. So he was on staff at Drake, and then he came and took the assistant position at Grandview, right? Yep. Yeah. So no, that's, that's great. Um, re rewind real quick. So Davenport, what actual high school did you go to? Yeah, I went to Davenport North. Everybody knows Ricky Davis. <laughs> I grew up about five houses from him um, and saw him dunking on a hoop uh, at, at a young age. Um, so <laughs> it's, that was kind of neat. 
it's funny you bring that up because I was going to ask you, do you guys, I mean, does Davenport claim Ricky Davis? Because Ricky Davis doesn't seem to claim Davenport. So what's yeah, the Yeah, I think there? we still do. His picture's up on the, on the wall of fame, but um, I'm not sure he bleeds a lot of blue and gold. Well, I, and I never understood that. It always frustrated me a little bit. Obviously, Davenport played at Davenport North and then on to Iowa and still claims Vegas as his hometown and kind of doesn't really have anything to do with Iowa, but uh, caps it off with when he was with the Cavs and they drafted LeBron and he was excited to had someone to pass him the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Ricky Davis. But um, no, man, so that's great. So Coach Wag, so um, went to Kirkwood, um, which I think is, is awesome too. I mean, we talked a little bit about on here as far as finding the right fit. Obviously, we promote the hell out of different levels. And for every kid, um, you know, the fit is different. I mean, like you said, whether that's D3, whether that's JUCO, whether that's 2, 1, whatever it is, it's like you, you got to go where it makes sense to you. And so um, being having a love for the game, obviously going to Kirkwood, a storied program, and um, being with Coach Wags had to have been a great way for you to really kind of get your feet wet. Yeah, I mean, he was he was awesome. Um you know, obviously I did a lot of managerial duties and responsibilities, but uh, they let me, you know, sit in on staff meetings and go out and recruiting with them. Um, and, you know, sitting on the bench between Pint and Stokes and, you know, working with the bigs every day with coach, you know, with a, obviously a player and then a coach and a person like Greg Stokes was, was really special. And, um, and coach Wags did a great job kind of mentoring me and, you know, going through some, difficult challenging times maybe uh, and uh, he, yeah he just did a really good job all of those guys did I think Kirkwood's a special place um, in terms of athletics uh, and even as a school and their campus and their facilities and location and uh, the tradition there. I think too with with your story I mean especially with other coaches and you know young players and coaches maybe listen to the podcast coaching is the ultimate cut your teeth I mean it is something where you need to pay your dues um, things don't happen overnight and so um, it's awesome one I think that at a young age you kind of understood um, you know what you wanted to do and I think it's also led to ultimately we'll get to the success you're having now at a young age too but uh you know being able to to step into that coaching role um while you're still in school I mean you're essentially coaching with guys at your same age uh, what what challenges did that kind of create and how did you really start to gain the respect of people who are maybe your same age or you're you're too older than yeah I think um just that first year kind of you know just doing what I was asked and then always asking what else I can do. Um, and, you know, from doing laundry to, you know, travels, you know, stuff on the road to um, videotaping practices or games. And then, um, you know, sh you know, ha earning that trust, I think from the players and the coaches of, you know, Hey, I, uh, I'm starting to have an idea of what's going on and, and, you know, what, what, what the expectations are. Um, and so, I think that was huge um, for those guys to see that for me and give me more responsibilities. Um, and then working with the players of, I think them just kind of realizing, you know, Hey, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do. If that's, you know, rebound late at the gym for you, if that's deliver your uniforms to your hotel room on the road or um, you know, wh whatever that is. Um, I think that was uh, just kind of important that way to earn trust and respect from the players uh, and then obviously from the coaching staff as well. So help me out with the timeline then a little bit. You're, I mean, you're not, 
as far as from the film side of things, obviously that's kind of always uh, all right. Let's let's have the new guy, the young guy, whatever, do the film. Um, you had been you had been bright on the cusp though of some huddle and some online film stuff by the time you got into it, or where yeah, where was that we were, transition? It was at Kirkwood. Uh, we still had um, we we videoed it or whatever with the camera, and then it was plugged into a little machine or whatever that would burn it onto a DVD. So we were still doing DVD stuff then. Um, and then when I got into uh, over at Granby, that's when we were using Huddle and some other Synergy software. Um, so it was still um, not a whole lot of, I guess, cutting up, maybe stopping or, you know, pausing and playing and fast forward and rewinding and stuff like that um, uh, when I was at Kirkwood. But even those DVDs and trying to burn those and then if it doesn't work or you get a scratch on it, I mean, it's just yeah. it's, you know, it's funny that that wasn't that long ago, you know, have a, a copy for the visiting team, which was always, you know, sometimes they're trying to get out on a Wednesday night at 10 o'clock at Johnson Hall and waiting for me to get their DVD to them. So um, no, it was it was good. Yeah, it's, it's come a long ways, though, from from where 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 that was at. And it's not even been that long. Yeah, no, that's great. Get get that experience. It just makes you stronger. But so then you said when you went to Grandview, then you finally you had your own team, right? And now all of a sudden you're you're calling plays and uh, uh, making substitutions. So what was what was that transition like? Still very young because you were at school, uh, student doing a student coach position. And so um, obviously the theme on here is no one's ever ready. You just kind of get ready for the first position. But what was that like uh, rolling out there, finally having your own team? Yeah, the first year I was still just more, you know, an assistant on both levels, kind of assistant with the JV and assistant with the varsity um, and spent a lot of time with with Coach Sanchez and Coach Schaefer um, and just kind of learning, you know, the, the way of, you know, recruiting at a four-year school and in that level and different things that way and, um, you know, working with campus visits and going out and recruiting and, and all that stuff. Um, and then so that second year uh, being the JV coach, um and again, having a better understanding of kind of what what their program was run like and what their expectations were. And, um, you know, then just kind of, you know, I guess a little trial by error and learning, learning on the go. And um, I think that was uh, it was, you know, uh, good for me to, to get out of my comfort zone and, and try something new. And um, and, you know, credit to the, the kids that I coached because, again, I was yeah younger and they you know respected me and. Um, we had, we had fun. It was, it was a good time. Um, it was, I don't know, kind of neat. I, you know, we play a lot of the junior colleges with the JV schedule and going back to Kirkwood and playing there. And a lot of the other junior college gyms that I was in, uh, you know, when I was at Kirkwood was, was a pretty neat experience. Yeah, that's great. Um, what was, so what was your favorite and probably least favorite part about coaching at the college level? Uh, I just like just how much time you spend with basketball. Um, I think it's, um, you know, spending your whole day and, you know, diving a little bit more with planning practice and breaking down film and recruiting and contacting people and getting out on the road. And um, so just spending more time with basketball, I think, um, is probably uh, the the good side of it. Um and uh, maybe the the other side is spending spending a lot of time in basketball. The same thing, um, you know. I think it's it's a special sport and a special game. And I think the obviously with this podcast, you know, the the orange ball and round circle connects a lot of people. Um, and so that's been a special uh, thing with you know building relationships and learning from people and getting to know uh, people that way. So, um, but but it takes a lot of time, as you guys know, and effort from. 
all sides of, of the game and aspects and people involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things, I mean, two points, obviously the relationships is, is the biggest thing that we all get from the game of basketball, but uh, yeah, you, college, I mean, college, it's a, it's full go. It's full time all the time. And uh, which is great. Like you said, it's fun. I mean, we love this game and so it makes it a lot of fun, but it can be a lot of work for a lot of little pay. And I, that's something too, that, you know, a lot of times talking with athletes who then go into coaching, it's, it's the forgotten stuff. As a player, you know, you're putting in time and you're doing stuff, but the coaches are putting in even more time. Um, you get over on the other side and you start to start to realize that. But um, so then what did the transition look like to high school? So you, you finish up at Grandview um, and then what, what was the next step for you? Yeah, I was kind of unsure trying to, you know, maybe get a GA spot or something, had a couple opportunities and, um, and then uh, I got to know BJ Windhorse, um, who's at Valley, um, through Andy Woodley, who was coaching at Grandview. Um, and he had gotten the Valley job that summer. Um, and I was kind of working Snow Valley camp then and um, reaching, you know, BJ had reached out to me um, and asked if I wanted to, you know, come be his assistant. A couple guys weren't staying around. So, um, you know, I kind of thought long and hard a little bit and talked to some people and thought it'd be a good opportunity to, to, you know, work at a, a, a good school, obviously with a, a good coach. Um, and I, I took that opportunity and um, spent four years with BJ at Valley and um, had an unbelievable run there with a lot of great kids. Um, and uh, that, that was, that was, those were four special years. So that was a, a good opportunity. I think uh, the right decision. Got a lot to unpack here with that because uh, we have a lot of connections with this. But first, being uh, Snow Valley, how how big uh, of experience for a young coach is, is Snow Valley? Just being around that level of coaching. Yeah, it's priceless. I mean, um, I think some people look at it now. They're like with AAU and stuff. There's not you maybe you don't get as you don't get some of the most talented kids, which is fine. But I think from a coaching aspect, it's it's invaluable. Um, Obviously, you got to love the game because you're getting up early and staying up late. Hopefully, if you if you like to listen to stories and learn from people um, and have some laughs, but um, it's just I think that you know there's the people that that come from all different levels and around the world. Um, it's just it's crazy. I mean, again, it's all all because of a basketball, um, but learning from so many different you know genuine people and. Um, and, you know, Coach Show does a great job, obviously. Uh, Coach Slyke, you know, did an unbelievable job. Um, and a lot of other people there. That I mean, that, that's a huge reason why I've been able to, you know, learn the game and, and continue to learn from each other and stay connected from um, years at Snow Valley. And I'm excited to get back there this summer. Yeah, Coach Show, if, uh, if you coach basketball in Iowa, um, Coach Show has a, has a big impact on, on something that you do. I mean, that from the guys that he's able to bring in there, um, you know, I mean, Alan Stein, Gannon Baker, I know like a lot of these national trainers and, and different positions have been there and, and done done different things. But then just, you know, on a, on a junior college and division two, division one level, just being able to interact with those coaches, like you said, it it has lost maybe some of the talent from the players because of their schedules. But if you're getting into coaching, yes, Snow Valley, 100%. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. I mean, the, the people are good and um, nobody's there with an ego. If you are, you probably aren't lasting too long. Um, you know, some of the guys that are working at the NBA level, uh, more like a Tate's lock. Um, who, I mean, his his past and history and experience is unbelievable. Um, you know, you're sitting at breakfast or, or lunch or somewhere in the dorm room. Um, 
just being around those guys and listening to them and, and they're genuine good people. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, you know, different levels of colleges or high schools um, or even junior high coaches that are there. Um, everybody's there trying to, you know, learn and, and help coach kids and kids and teach and um, just enjoy some, some time with, you know, pure basketball. Yeah, it's a, it's a great experience. And, and yes, I would still highly encourage all athletes that are listening to go as well. But um, so then your time at Valley, you obviously came in then shortly after I was there helping Horner with his feeder program, um, because you, uh, you helped out with a, a couple of my favorite kids that I've coached, uh, including one that uh, has a big game this weekend in Turner Scott. Um, and that group of that group of boys, Turner Scott, Pete Economist, John Reardon. I mean, those guys, Quentin Curry. I mean, how, how much fun was it to obviously coach those boys just in general, but then obviously have the success that you guys were able to have at Valley. Yeah, they're un unbelievable kids and great families. I still stay in touch with those guys today. Um, and I think that's why we had the success because of the type of kids they were, the type of families they came from. They were, um, I think when the year we won it, maybe seven of our top 10 kids started and or were on the football team, you know, multi-sport kids, which was important and huge. And um, and some of the kids that played football came out because their buddies played basketball. And, and, you know, some of the kids that were better at basketball, that was their sport, played football for their buddies. So um, that's kind of, again, that's, you know, what high school sports is about. So, um, yeah, it was a special time, um, you know, with my four years there and, and still have a lot of really good friendships and um, relationships with, with people in, in the basketball program and in the school and the district. And uh Turner, Turner Scout is just an absolute killer. Yeah, I mean, he's a workhorse. Like, he just put his head down and, and, and went. A great leader. I mean, he would have, you know, football practice and come and, you know, have some Dairy Queen ice cream and and just watch his, you know, teammates play play open gym in the fall, but then it'd be conditioning time and he'd lace up his shoes and go get some sprints in to be ready for basketball. And um, the, the toughness that he showed and, um, you know, his other teammates – uh, and, you know, them not caring who had the success and who was scoring or who was doing what. Um, they just wanted to be around each other and, and compete and have fun. So I would guess then the um, su no surprise to the success that Truman's having this year with obviously a leader with him and his senior year down there and a bunch of Iowa kids that I'm sure that they can all relate to. Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, Matt Woodley did a really good job getting that program going and, and, uh, and Chris Foster and Jeff Horner, you know, have done a good job, you know, continuing that run and, and having Turner a part of their program and some other Iowa guys is, is special, obviously, and, and fun for them. But it's fun for us back in Iowa to, to follow and watch and, and uh, you know, have some exciting college basketball to watch. Absolutely. So, um, so then how did the transition work? So you spent four years at Valley, then all of a sudden um, you're like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time that I, I find my own program. And, and so what did that process look like? Uh, so I needed a, a little better day job. Um, and I love my role at Valley working with the kids and some other activities and sports, but I went back to school to get my master's in school counseling. So I'm a school counselor over at Johnston. Um, so, um, that, that kind of led me to Johnston. It was hard to leave Valley. Um, but, I wanted to be all in wherever I was at. So I didn't really want to be working at Johnson during the day and going back to Valley. And um, so I worked, um, yeah, I coached under Coach Sanquist for a year, um, which is a great opportunity to, you know, learn from him. He's, you know, did a long time and 
uh, had a lot of success. And so it was, it was a good year to learn from him. Um, and then he had retired and um, I put my name in for the job and was fortunate enough um, for the AD and, and principal and superintendent um, to give me the opportunity to be the head coach. Um, so uh, that's been just finishing up my second year there, um, you know, and bringing uh, Andy Woodley on staff was huge. Um, just the uh, role that he had, um, I think the impact he had on me when I was at, at Grandview and then, you know, continuing to keep a friendship and relationship and, um, he's, you know, his kids go to Johnson. So I think that's, that's special and neat that he's a part of the Johnson community. And, um, he's been a huge, huge, uh, asset to our success, um, these two years. So obviously we've had Matt Woodley on the pod and he, he made it sound like there was a, a pretty big gap between him and Andy, if they were to, you know, go out on the court. Do you agree? I mean, is this something that Matt and Andy, there's that big of a gap or is it, is it going to be more of a competition than Matt made it sound like? Well, if anybody knows the Woodleys, there's, there's always a competition and Andy might be the most competitive person I know. So um, I would say the, the gap might be shrunken a little bit smaller than other people think. No, that's great. Um, so to, uh, again, connecting the dots here, did you happen? So when you when you took the uh, counselor position at Johnson, did you replace Nate Toby? Is that, was he the one that was there before you? No, he was at the middle school. Oh, okay. I, I repl replaced a lady that moved to Indiana or Ohio, I think. Um, so he was, he was actually at the middle school uh, still my first year um, okay. at the high school. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I coached against Nate when he was the head coach at um, Ogden. Um, oh, yeah. girls head coach at Ogden and he came to Johnston for a short bit and obviously now on staff over at Ankeny but yeah he does um, a good job yeah he uh he's a good dude and so when you said that I was like oh man I, I guess I don't know how this timeline works but uh so so going back to the, now you obviously getting promoted or getting the head job had to had to be exciting a little bit of deer in the headlights moment I I would imagine at some point but uh you knew that you were taking over a pretty good group of kids and so take me to the kind of your first thought process and, and maybe, you know, the first month or two on the job and what you were trying to instill in your program. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was, it helped that I was an assistant to um, that first year to really get to know the kids and the, the school and the community and, you know, being new that way. So I think that was important, um, you know, understanding who the kids were, what they like to do, um, you know, what they could do as a player and, them to get to know me as a person as well so I think that was important um and then getting the job uh you know just just uh wanting to meet with all the kids and and uh you know build a little bit tighter relationship and um you know figure out things that they you know they enjoyed um being a part of the program and things that they wanted to see uh be better um, so I think that was important just to, again, can build those re strong relationships and get, get some feedback from the players to kind of start building, organizing things that, um, you know, I, I wanted to do. Um, and then spend a lot of time with some other mentors. Um, Mike O'Connor is a great friend and mentor of mine. Um, Brad Bjorkren, um, Joe Bear, um, Matt Woodley, Matt Gatons, um, you know, those guys um, have been huge uh, assets to me and and where I'm at and and uh having the little basketball knowledge that I do sounds like a list of some past guests and maybe some future guests that need to, sure. we need to get on shooter's touch without question <laughs> so well good so first year um take me a little bit through it you guys I know you guys were competitive obviously I actually got to watch some of those games pre-pandemic 
um, and young. Uh, you knew that kind of coming in. Um, obviously, St. Chris last year had a lot of was senior heavy, and then um, you know, but a bunch of young guys that were getting some spot minutes, and then finally, your first year was a lot of young guys getting a lot of minutes. And so, what what was the first year like um, for you? Obviously, the success of your team, but then ultimately, most importantly, what did you learn in that first year as a as a head coach of your own program? Yeah, I knew we had a lot of guys coming back and we had a lot of seniors still my first year and, and trying to figure out, you know, what we were wanting to do offensively and defensively, um, you know, some different things and what, what had been done in the past um, uh, was kind of hard, uh, not getting the job until midsummer. Um, and uh, so I think that kind of took the part of the first, you know, semester for us to figure out exactly what we were doing and you know, for the kids to figure, understand what we were trying to do. And, um, you know, I think we went 15 and eight, maybe my first year lost in the sub-state final to a, the number one team at the time, making a centennial. And we won, I think, 10 of our last 14 games um, with some good wins in there. And that, I think that's where we started to see, uh, you know, the buy-in from the kids and they started to trust us and understand what we were trying to do. And um, anything in life with success takes time. And so I think that's kind of, you know, it took some time for um, us to figure out who the, you know, who could do what and who played well with each other and fit different roles and um, different things that we were trying to do. So um, that was, that was, I think a lot of why these success came on late in the season, um, which is when you want to be playing your best basketball. And I felt like we were, um, and then just as a first year head coach, yeah, just learning a lot of, um, you know, being involved in all aspects of the program, uh, you know, at all levels, kind of, you know, third grade through 12th grade um, and balancing that and balancing a day job and, and you know, life and other things like that um, was, uh, you know, probably the biggest maybe eye opener. Um, you know, people talk about you move one seat over, um, you got a lot more responsibilities and and probably spending more time on things outside of basketball or coaching um, that are, you know, necessary and, and uh, important to have a successful program um, is probably what I noticed the most there. Uh, 100% agree with you on that. I've said that multiple times on the podcast when when you move into that first chair. Uh, basketball sometimes gets moved way down on the list because you got so much other stuff that kind of takes priority or, or eats into your time. And, um, and so, yeah, sometimes you appreciate you're like, God, at the assistant level, I just, I just want to coach basketball again, you know, where at the head coach, you're the PR guy and counseling, you got that. So you got the counseling background, you got, the, you got to do that and you got to make sure the pieces talk to the newspaper, jump on podcasts like this. And so you're, you're a busy guy. And so, um, we, we definitely appreciate it. But, uh, so then going into this year, um, obviously no idea what's going to happen. Pandemic hits and trying to figure out what is this going to look like? Are we going to play? Um, you know, how, how did you guys kind of handle the early transition process um, as, as far as getting these guys back out on the floor to start this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, we had, we weren't together or didn't really recap our last season until um, last June. Uh, one of our kids has an unbelievable um, pool and house and, and place there that um, we were able to kind of have some some time there one more time together, which was awesome. And then and then starting in July when our facilities opened up a little bit, getting the guys back in the white room uh, was important to me. And um, and then getting them back on the floor and just around each other, I think, was important. Um, so that was awesome. And then having some, you know, some 
nine or 10 weeks in the fall of guys being around each other and getting excited for November 16th. And then um, all of a sudden that, you know, date gets pushed back and then pushed back again and then other schools are playing and, and we're not, and, you know, that's all out of our control. So it kind of is what it is. Um, and then once we kind of got an official start date, i um, give a lot of credit to our kids because they, um, they held, you know, player led practices. Uh, I think about eight of them uh, leading up to our first official practice uh, where it was literally them and they had a practice plan and they were doing things on their own. And um, I think that was uh, really important. Um, I think it was important to see the leadership from our kids and, them buying in and trusting each other. Um, and then I felt like that really helped us on our, you know, Christmas Eve was our first official practice. I hated doing that, but we needed it. Um, it was a good Christmas present for everybody to be back in the gym. Um, but I felt like we had a really good practice on day one um, because of what our kids did on their own um, to get ready for that. So um, especially now, I think a lot of, you know, there's almost too much structure, I think sometimes in kids' lives. And so, I think that was neat for them to take that upon themselves and, uh, you know, lead some of that stuff on their own, um, you know, reviewing some, some of our own stuff and then just playing basketball, being around each other, getting some conditioning in and, and shooting in. We talked about that on the pod too. If, if you roll basketball out, could these kids even figure, figure out how to get a game going because everything is so structured from such a young age with the club ball and everything going on. And so, yeah, I think that uh, once this thing all shakes out and we kind of figure out, there's going to be some silver linings with it. Um, and I think to your point too, it, it seems like the kids seem to adjust better than the adults or the parents sometimes. And, you know, mask, no mask, whatever. I just want to play basketball, like whatever it's going to take. I'll, I'll do whatever it is to get out there. And, and obviously it sounds like your kids are in that same boat and, and trying to figure out a way to just get on the court and, and get things going. And so, um, once you did, like you said, started started uh, later than anticipated Christmas Eve first practice. Um, when was it uh, throughout this year that maybe you're like, you know what, this this is this could be a special season and a special group of kids? I think during those practices, I think we saw glimpses. Um, you know, we have a tough, we had a really tough schedule, the toughest schedule in the state. Um, and that was good for us. So, we, you know, we played Valley our first game and lost to them at a close one and then went went to play at Waukee, um, you know, who, who's obviously a really good team winning it all um, and, and having that win. So I think seeing some of those glimpses um, against Valley and then, you know, we, we watched that whole whole game on film and um, that was a really good learning session for our group because um, they're a really good team too. Uh, and, and I think that Waukee one gave our guys some confidence and then playing a, a really good Southeast Polk team um, and, and going on a, uh, you know, streak of winning some games. Um, it was, you know, there was, yeah, there was times there that, you know, I thought we had a, a really good group um, of kids, which I knew that, but then seeing them click and again, you know, figuring out different pieces and, um, you know, we had a lot of practices because we didn't, we didn't make up any games and lost a couple games. So um, some of that was good. Some of it was bad. I felt like, you know, we were always coming to, to, to the gym to practice instead of play, which, uh, it's good, but it gets old. Um, you know, you, you want to be playing some games too. That's, that's what, uh, it's fun on Tuesdays and Fridays. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Um, it had to have been difficult moving through and not playing in front of fans too. I mean, they, you know, when, when things are struggling a little bit, a little bit, you get, get some fans and get people riled up. That usually seems to give you a boost, but, uh, I would agree with you. I think that that walkie game, um, obviously some un, un 
unfortunate circumstances for them uh, with the with the Vries, Tucker DeVries not playing that game changed changed the the, the the dynamic of that game a little bit. But uh, regardless, the way that your kids played um, that that night and was able to get a good win on the road and uh, like you said, your second game of the year. I think even for me watching, I was like, okay, like I knew these guys were going to be good, but I think that uh, that kind of give you guys, you know, things may not always go our way, but if we stick together, I think we can be really good. For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously without Tucker, they're a different team, um, but a credit to our kids because they've, they still got a really good group. Um, and we were down 13 at halftime and, and ended to, you know, to find a way to hold on at the end. Um, and so, uh, it, it was a huge win. I think it really showed our guys what they could do. I think gave confidence in them um, that they could guard, um, you know, play defense, which was important to us. Um, and then the offense kind of started clicking and flowing, uh, but we continued to guard throughout the whole year. So, um, yeah, that, that was maybe kind of the, the point, for, I think, for the whole group where the confidence grew a little bit more and, and kind of took off from there. You talk about defense and a good transition in the state tournament. Um, obviously, you guys towards the end of the year just started clamping down, and um, you know a, a roster littered full of of athletes and and guys who understand the game and understand the concepts. And so, uh, had to be an, been a huge advantage for you on that. Um, specifically, we'll get to the Cedar Falls game, but before we get there, um, just kind of your path. So, who did who did you guys take down in substate, and then ultimately um, finding yourself in the state tournament against Dowling in the first round? Yeah, so we played uh, Lenmar, which is obviously a tradition program. Um, and then we played, we beat uh, Cedar Rapids Kennedy, which is a really good program. Coach McCown does an awesome job there. Um, and we beat, we won in overtime, um, kind of controversial controversial call at the end of, of regulation. Um, but if we'd make some free throws, we could have gotten home a little bit sooner. But uh, credit to our kids for finding a way to win in, in overtime um, against a really probably one of the, I think they had won maybe 10 in a row. So maybe between them and Dowling, the hottest teams in the state at the time. Um, so that was fun. We played at the Roundhouse or some more fans. We had, you know, each group had a student section there. Um, so that, that was really fun and, and proud of our kids for, for finding a way to win there. And I know you and I talked a little bit about this off air, but, uh, when you get into your districts then, and now all of a sudden you're playing teams, you know, from the Eastern side of the state, Western, however things shake out, um, you find that advantage or disadvantage when, when, when you don't have a, a familiar opponent on the other side? Yeah, I thought it was kind of good. I mean, you know, we had some film on them, they had film on us, um, but you know, they hadn't seen us play in person. Obviously, we hadn't seen them. So I think it's good to for both sides, for coaches in terms of prepping and for the kids, uh, you know, having that confidence and not maybe overcycling themselves out one way or the other um, to just kind of go in there and like, here's the game plan. We just got to go play and make adjustments on the fly. And um, our kids were, you know, locked into our game plan. Um, and um, I, I, yeah, I, I think the state did a good job trying to break up, you know, more teams and spread spread different groups um throughout the state to play against each other um so i think that was a good thing that they did um so yeah we, we enjoyed playing a different team um in, in our sub-state and then you make it to the well and you draw a familiar opponent which as you mentioned before was a good thing you thought as far as a little bit of comfort level because there's already so many moving parts and excitement that comes with uh making it to state and making it downtown and so um but you also mentioned dowling coming in playing really well playing hot and so so what was the thought process going into that first round matchup 
Yeah, I mean, credit to our assistant coaches. They did a good job putting a game plan together um, and scouting Dowling and um, offensively and defensively. Our guys were were locked in and, you know, having that early game um, is different. So our guys did a good job getting out of bed for three or four days in a row and, um, you know, kind of starting a routine. And, um, you know, then I, then I could, uh, you know, we could kind of see the guys had a, you know, they were locked in and they, they had a little different mindset and approach and um, they were ready to go out and, com- and compete. And, you know, they weren't okay with just getting downtown, which is really hard to do, but um, they wanted to, to go down and, and win. Um, and I think from the, from the jump ball, um, from warmups, uh, maybe once we walked, we got off the bus and got in, inside Wells Fargo arena, our kids were, were locked in and, and ready to go. And we knew it'd be a tough game though. I mean, OC does a great job dialing, uh, you know, it was a hot team and a lot of good players um, and, and had clipped us the last time we played them. So um, uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a fun, fun game. You may or may not be able to answer this, but what, uh, what do the boys feel um, with some of the success that the girls program has had? Do you think that that's helped? Does that kind of fuel their fire a little bit to be like, Hey, okay, girls were down here last um you know, last week obviously didn't end the way they wanted it to either this year, but you know, the year before and the year before that, is that something where you think that they're like, Hey, because basketball is basketball. We all love it and we want to see success. And so do you think that helps as far as motivate them a little bit? Uh, maybe a little bit. I would say it's maybe, maybe the biggest thing is just for them to get down and kind of have that excitement the week before and support their, their, uh, you know, their classmates. I think they did a really good job throughout the year supporting each other. So I would say just more importantly, maybe just being down in that environment, um, maybe get the juices flowing a little bit more if they aren't already, um, and, um, continue to support their classmates and being around the state tournament, I would say is probably, you know, one thing that I think was important for our kids. Yeah, there's definitely something to be said about familiarity and being in that environment, in that arena, obviously for both Johnson and Waukee, uh, a couple of first and seconds in uh, the last couple of years has been, uh, has been a huge experience for both those communities. But um, so then you go into Cedar Falls, the number one seed, um, some big kids over there, again, being from central Iowa, we maybe don't know as much or get as much press on them. Obviously you knew a lot more about them than we did, but um, so going into that game, obviously you you knew you were, kind of an uphill battle, but it seemed like you guys kind of, you know, we have nothing to lose. We're going to lock down defensively and see what happens. Yeah. Again, I mean, we watched, I think film for, I don't know, till midnight, maybe on Wednesday, um, watched 15 games or so. And coach Woodley and Micklow and, and Kennedy did a great job putting, you know, putting a game plan together. Um, and our kids were hungry. They weren't, you know, after the win against Dowling, they weren't satisfied. They wanted some more. Um, and our new, our, our uh, task would get a little bit tougher uh, against, you know, the uh, and, uh, undefeated and number one ranked, number one seeded team. Uh, and they got, you know, I think all, all five of their starting guys, um, you know, have offers and are going to go play college basketball somewhere. So um, obviously a talented group, a, a veteran group, you know, Cedar Falls has won it recently and been down there a lot. And Coach Schultz does an awesome job with his program. Um, but our guys again came in with confidence and ready to play and we're locked into our game plan. Um, and just, we talked about just going out and play loose. Um, you know, I think a lot of times in big games, you know, or rivalry games, there's a lot of pressure from outside people. And, uh, we felt like we deserved to, to be downtown and, and obviously having a good first round win, we deserve to be in that game. So, 
um, just go out there, play loose, and, and enjoy the game that, that they love. So uh, I think our guys did a good job of executing the game plan and playing loose and, and just going out and competing. How big of a how big of an emphasis uh, was there um, on the defensive end coach? I mean, you know, as Brian mentioned, I mean, towards the end of the year, I mean, you, you beat some great teams, specifically talking about uh, um, so Cedar Falls game. I mean, you, uh, you know, I mean, you, you either brought them out of their comfort zone um, or, or, you know, really, really, um, I guess, made them um, on the offensive end uncomfortable. And then, you know, we'll talk about the Waukee game, but in the first half, you know, I was, I was actually at that game. You guys did a, just a tremendous job on the defensive end. Was, was, was that a big part of the game plan or was there just, you know, like you said, your, your, your kids were hungry and, you know, wanted to, wanted to win that game more. Yeah, I think that was a huge piece. I mean, we always talk about defense and rebounding and, you know, kind of set the tone there and, and our guys did a really good job, but I think forcing turnovers and, um, keeping Cedar Falls out of their rhythm and pace of what they wanted to do. And, um, you know, kind of talked about, it's kind of one-on-one, -on -one. you know, they got a, lot, a talented roster of, full of good players. And so um, our guys did a good job of, of you know, toughening up and, and uh, you know, worried about their guy and locking into our game plan. That, that, yeah, that was a huge piece to the, to the, to the plan um, was, was defense. Uh, and I think our offense would come to us and, you know, we've got some, some good players on the offensive end that, um, you know, we're playing with confidence, but it all started on defense, you know, uh, seeing the other team, um, you know, maybe not play to the level of uh, what they've played through most of the season. Um, I think gained confidence on that defensive end and then, um, you know, allowed to play a little bit more loose and free on the offensive end. Yeah. I mean, you guys did a tremendous job on, on that and, and, and on the offensive end, as you mentioned, and it, it's, it's funny to kind of watch that, you know, if, uh, if a team is, I mean, struggling, you know, seeing the other team struggle on offense, you know, just gives them a little bit of confidence and maybe sometimes that much more confidence that kind of brings them over the edge um, on the offensive end there. So um, when we talked about Cedar Falls, obviously, obviously get past them and then um, a familiar opponent, another familiar opponent um, in Waukee in the state finals um, had clipped them earlier in the year. Uh, what was the game plan in that game? You know, obviously they're at full strength now um, in the state finals. What was, uh, you know, what was the the plan as far as what the coaching staff made up for that game? Yeah, kind of similar to Cedar Falls. Again, both teams have really talented rosters. A lot of kids, you know, going to play college basketball. Um, but I felt like we had a, a, a good plan together to, um, you know, again, you know, you can't really help off a lot of guys on, on either side. And you got to stick to your assignments because there are, you know, talented guys. But our kids were ready for the challenge. Um, I think they wanted the challenge. Um, our coaches did a good job having, you know, having them ready to go. Um, and then our kids came out and played with a lot of confidence, you know, felt like that we deserved to be in that game just as much as Waukee did. Um, and that showed early on. And, um, you know, Waukee had a really good fourth quarter. Um, obviously, J.O. does a good job with his group and they had a talented roster and um, they had some guys make some shots, um, you know, and some plays go their way. And, and they, they did a good job finding a way to win. Yeah. And, you know, as I kind of mentioned, I was, I was at that game um, and you're exactly right. I mean, in the first quarter or excuse me, first half Omaha kind of kept them in, in the game, um, which kept them within striking distance for the second half. And then, you know, in the second half, Tucker, uh, you know, he did, he did his thing in the second half. So just a, a really talented team. Um, however, I mean, on your end, I mean, I thought your kids played, played incredibly, um, incredibly fundamental 
just from what I was watching and, you know, play, play the game the right way. And I mean, they were obviously it's a state finals. So, you know, it's, it's easy to be excited about that game, but just seemed, you know, incredibly passionate about, uh, about that game and, you know, about, uh, about competing. And so that was, that was awesome. Um, awesome. to watch from a fan's perspective. Yeah. And no, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned fundamentals. That's what we talked about. Like when you get to the, the biggest stages, it's, um, that's what it comes down to. Um, you know, you can run some cute play or this or that, or stymie some defense together, but uh, we talk about every day of our guys competing, playing for each other and being all in. And those are three simple things that we can control. And um, I, I felt like they did a really good job of that uh, throughout the season. And especially those three games um, down at the state tournament. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you mentioned it when, when the pressure moments like a state championship come up, you're going to resort back to your habits and what you know best. And so there's no sense in, in, in trying to outthink yourself or get too, too cute or too fancy with it and uh, do the simple things. And yeah, I, I agree. You guys are right there. The kids played hard. Um, you know, it's just an exciting week. I mean, one thing, you know, we didn't talk about, but essentially no, no rest in between. I mean, a, a good win, Dallin, turn around, Cedar Falls, okay, emotional, hard-fought win. And then, all right, here comes Waukee. I mean, you guys took the punches and uh, hung around and absolutely gave that the best effort that uh, you guys possibly could have. And uh, I, I feel like now having maybe a week here or so to let it settle, if we, if we would have caught you early in the week, you might have still been a little bitter about it. But you have to feel, feel good about the effort. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the effort our guys brought every day was, was special to see. Uh, and how close they got throughout the season uh, with each other on the floor and off the floor and uh, just the buy-in from everybody and seeing them enjoy that experience. Um, you know, a lot of people don't feel those emotions. I think after the wins and the losses, um, you know, it, coaches and players can go a lifetime or a career without getting to the state tournament. Um, and so obviously we wanted to win it all, but having the opportunity to, to have success down there um, and enjoy that success uh, it was special. And I think um, those are lifelong memories that the kids and, and I know us as coaches will remember uh, forever. And, and that's what high school athletics and activities is about, is about the experience and the memories that you create uh, yourself and with your buddies. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. From somebody who who has played down there, we, we, you know, we talk about on the podcast all the time that high school is just a little bit different than like college. Um, or even if you're lucky enough to make it to the professional, because those are your guys that you've spent, you know, years with before in elementary and middle school. So very, very special. Um, what do you say? Uh, what do you say to the team after that? Um, you know, obviously, as I mentioned, it, it seemed like a super passionate group, um, you know, super passionate coaching staff. And, you know, you, you come up just short, you played a great game, you know, but just ran into a team that was maybe a little bit better that night. Um, what do you say in the locker room after the game? Yeah, just how proud I am of them, um, how we were, I guess, as a staff. Um, you know, they, they put a lot of time, especially the seniors, um, you know, into the program, into their game, into each other. Uh, and I think um, outside of eight minutes, I think we may have, may have played the best basketball of anybody down there. Um, obviously, I'm being a little biased or selfish there, but I think the four quarters that our kids played against, against Dowling, the four quarters against Cedar Falls, and in the three quarters against Waukee, um, our kids, you know, we're, we're competing, we're having fun, we're playing for each other, we're making, you know, simple, exciting plays on both ends of the floor. Um, and it was, it was, it was a good time. I mean, 
brought excitement, I think, to our, our, our program, obviously, to our school, to our community. Um, and that was neat to see as well. So just let them know how proud we are of them. And, um, you know, as much as it sucks losing and getting second, um, you know, those are, those are opportunities and experiences a lot of people don't get in a lifetime. And they just had a lot of emotions both ways uh, in the last, you know, 72 hours. So, um, you know, again, losing sucks, but um, being proud of, of their accomplishments um, and, you know, lost to a really talented roster and, and group from Waukee and, and Coach Old does a good job in Kanaski and, um, you know, there's nothing to be ashamed of, of losing to them. Um, so that's about about all we could say. Um, not not much, many words to say after that, but um, it was just a fun, fun week and fun three days down at the state tournament. Yep. Well, it was, it was fun to watch. That's for sure. So, um, well, uh, at the end of the, our episodes, coach, we like to end with a little section called rapid fire. Uh, Brian's going to hit you with a couple questions, some about basketball, some not, and just, uh, you tell us the first thing that pops in your head. All right, let's do it. All right. First one, if you've listened to the pod, you know, what's coming. So favorite visiting gym. You've been at a lot of levels too. So uh, obviously you talked about some of those community college venues, but what's your, what's your favorite visiting gym that uh, you've had the opportunity to, to be a part of or coach in? Well, if I coached at Valley, so I was a, I was a visitor then. So maybe Johnson's gym now. No, oh, okay. um, I would, uh, yeah, I love our gym or great facilities, but uh, as much as I bleed blue and gold with the Wildcats, I, I like uh, Davenport Central's uh, George Marshall gym uh, is a pretty neat, special place um it's old concrete um old school the, the the seats are 12 you know 12 15 feet above you so everything's on top of you they got the the scoreboard hanging from the center ceiling um that, that, that that's a pretty neat old school gym i like it that uh yeah it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun um best pizza in the des moines metro area seven stone Ooh, okay big seven stone fan like you knew that was coming yeah, yeah. He, yeah he, he, he I'm a big that. pizza guy. I like <laughs> yeah, I mean, Quad City style pizza, but um, Seven Stone is probably my go-to spot. You, you gotta have pizza. I mean, pizza, pizza, basketball. Yeah, it just seems like it goes together. But uh, all right, so Quad Cities. Um, power rank the Quad Cities in whatever order that you top down that you would think. Like in terms of the actual cities. Yep. Uh, well, obviously being from Davenport and the Iowa side, I would probably have to say Davenport first and, uh, and Bettendorf, um, and maybe Rock Island and then Moline. Okay. Moline coming up, coming in last. I like it. Um, favorite sports movie. Um, uh, Hoosiers is one of my favorites. I think coach Carter, um, Probably one of those those two. Okay, those are good. Right. Well, that, that question always makes its way into rapid fire, but we kind of changed it a little bit. Um, I think it was Stevie Johnson who hit us with the curveball, and so we changed it from basketball to sports movie because he was a Seabiscuit guy, and so I was like, you know what? Let's let's hear what the sports is. So yeah, I like that. But uh, yeah, Hoosiers and Coach Carter. When when asked a basketball movie, it's always those two, and yeah. so. Uh, but I I don't disagree either. So. Um, you mentioned uh, a player that you have on on your roster this year, but uh, so if if you were to take ten spikes from Max Rocky, are you digging? Are you digging any of those ten spikes? 
Uh, probably going 0 for 10, maybe one. Maybe I'll say one if I have a bowl of Lucky Charms for breakfast that morning. Yeah, he, uh, he hits the ball hard, and um, yeah, I don't think I stand a chance. Yeah, I say I I've only seen video, obviously, but yeah, that dude can he can smoke it. So, and he's going to play volleyball, right? Where? Yeah, at, at Lewis University. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I know there's a lot of upset basketball coaches out there that he's going to play volleyball, but uh, watching watching his film and hitting a volleyball, I guess I can see why. Yeah, he could have he could have definitely played some scholarship basketball, but he he loves loves volleyball, and he's going to have a great career there. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you got a favorite basketball shoe? Uh, probably any type of the Kobe's. Um, I think in terms of wearing and and their looks, uh, I love the looks of the Jordans. But uh, I would say I like I like a a good Kobe shoe. Kobe sixes, man. I can't can't argue with you there. So, um, all right. So a little bit of a, a loaded question, I think. Um, favorite food spot? So Adam and I. Obviously, I make it make my way over to a bunch of Johnson's games with obviously my kids in school here. But uh, uh, where where are we going? Where do we need to grab a bite to eat before we head over to the Johnson game? Uh, I like is a poor choice is right off of 141 there. It's a good spot. Uh, spot. Cold drinks, good food. Uh, it's a yeah year round. Obviously, basketball season is good there, but year round you can you can find a good a good time there. That, that's a good choice. I was thinking a little bit about this when we were putting these questions together and obviously moving out to the new facility a little bit underdeveloped right now. So you don't have a ton of choices because I would have gone Cactus Bob's on the other side of town. Oh yeah, old... you can't go wrong there. I love barbecue, <laughs> barbecue food and our guys went there last week after one of our games, I think maybe the Dowling game and, and they, uh, yeah, it's a great spot. Um, but I, I would say four choices is probably my go-to. Yeah, makes way more convenient going to the new the new stadium. If you were going to the old gym, then Cactus Bob's for sure. For sure. But all right, uh, coach. Last question. We always end with what uh, What's your favorite thing about getting the opportunity to be the head coach uh, at Johnson High School? Yeah, just the people. Um, we've got great kids in our program, um, and I think that's what makes it special and exciting to come to practice every day and having a great coaching staff and. Um, great people that I work with during my day job as a counselor. Um, so just continuing to build relationships with people in the school and the community and, and really enjoy uh, my time working with our kids. And it's a plus. We've got great facilities. So that's a, a added, I guess, cherry on top to be able to come to work every day as a counselor and a basketball coach and um, have a great facility to, to get, get some work done in. Well, Coach, we, we appreciate you taking some time. Uh, it was really neat to hear your story and obviously connect and reconnect with you and uh, go through the timeline a little bit. Obviously, a bright future. We're excited to follow along and watch your journey as you continue to grow as a coach. Uh, we appreciate you taking some time, and let, let's go watch some basketball now. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for, for Thank you guys for having me on, and thanks for what you do. I, I love listening to, to your guests and to you guys, and excited for a lot more shooters touch podcasts to, to listen to on my drives. Awesome. Well, yeah, as Brian said, we appreciate it, coach. We appreciate you listening and, um, you know, just, just really appreciate it. Uh, you know, being able to watch your team here in the state tournament and all, all year this year. So best of luck moving forward to, um, to our listeners as usual, we appreciate you. If you like what you heard anywhere, you catch your podcast, give us a five-star rating. Um, and you can catch us on any social network on Facebook, search shooters touch, Twitter and Instagram at Shooters Touch IA. 
and at our brand new website, shooterstouchpodcast.com. As usual, shooters shoot. Had a bounce back, was already in my mind. Hustling harder than ever before. Saying I change cause I like when I shine. The diamonds are different like Mike and his prime. I got the shooters touch. Can't nobody ball like me.